This is episode four of our season dedicated to talking about different specialties in portrait photography. In today's episode, Eric and I sit down with Sharon McMahon to discuss the unique challenges that come along with newborn portrait photography. We're not doing a sticking points this week because the entire episode was so great that we really didn't want to cut it down and wanted to give you guys an opportunity to listen to the whole thing. Welcome to the Portrait Session Podcast, a show for portrait photographers who want to dominate their industry. With your hosts, Erica Kay and Connor Hibbs. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Portrait Session. I am Erica Kay, and as always, I'm joined by Connor Hibbs. Hey, Connor, how are you doing? Doing very well, Erica. How are you? I am good. Thank you for asking. So today we have another special guest. We are joined by Sharon McMahon. Hey, Sharon. Hello. How are you doing? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're so glad that you're here. So Sharon McMahon is the owner of Three Irish Girls Photo, and she is a full-time portrait photographer on the shores of Lake Superior, and she's been photographing for more than six years. Sharon is awesome. She has been named a Hot 100 Senior Grad Photography Icon multiple times. She's been named one of the country's 50 most inspiring photographers. She has been voted best photographer in her region on five separate occasions, and she runs a popular and profitable newborn studio that attracts clients from hundreds of miles away. She is a serious boss lady. (laughs) (laughs) We are so happy to have you here today, Sharon. And although you could probably talk about all the different genres of portrait photography, we're going to be chatting today about newborn photography. Yes, one of my faves. One of your faves, and for good reason, because you are awesome at it. Thank you. I I am a baby person, and I always have been, and I really do. I just love it. There's no well, other word for it. I just love it. Yeah, well, that's good, because you have four of your own, right? <laughs> I do. Four. It's a lot of children. That is a lot of children, so it's a good thing you <laughs> like them. <laughs> True. <laughs> so yes. before we get into our interview with Sharon, I want you guys to all go check her out. Check out her work. Um, you can view her website, which is 3irishgirlsphotography.com, and that's three spelled out. You can find her on Facebook at facebook.com slash 3irishgirlsphotography, again, with the three spelled out. On Instagram, it's a little different. She is the, the number three, IG photo. And then she's also on Pinterest as Three Irish Girls. So be sure to go check her out on all those social media platforms. Give her a follow. Check out her work. Um, you'll be definitely inspired by by her uh, social media accounts, especially. All right, Sharon. So tell us a little bit about your background in photography. I know you've been shooting for about six years, but before that, where, did you study photography in college? Are you self-taught? What led you into the photography world? So I'm I'm totally self-taught. I did not study photography in college, although it was one of those, you know, topics that sort of interested me. It was never a, you know, in my mind, a career track. I was a high school teacher. That's what I went to college for. And I spent a lot of years teaching high school, but I really got into photography when I started another kind of side hustle. I started a 
yarn company and I hand dyed yarn and sold yarn all over, all over the world and eventually grew that yarn business into, you know, something pretty large. I was definitely one of the larger hand dyeing studios in the world. I had, you know, like 10 employees and it was a big full-time endeavor by the time, by the time I was (laughs) done with it. And by the time I sold it. So I started, it, it was a super great entrance into being my own boss because you know being a high school teacher is a totally different endeavor obviously uh-huh. you're working for somebody else there's you know it's obviously a different thing so i got into photography when i started this other business and realized that i needed high quality images for my website for my catalogs for the patterns that we designed and distributed throughout the world and i had hired other photographers to do some of the work for me and realized that you know, when they would deliver the final product, product, it wasn't exactly what I wanted. You know, like I, I knew that I had the eye, but I just didn't have the skill. Mm-hmm. So that was when I realized I needed to try to learn how to do this myself so that I could execute what it is that I had in my mind's eye. So I just kind of slowly picked it up. You know, I did not ever set out to be an amazing, you know, um, studio owner portrait photographer. It wasn't my goal to segue into that, but I knew that I just needed better photography skills. So I started taking some online classes and reading more about it and accumulating gear. Um, And so that's sort of how I got started. And then slowly my photography grew to the point where I sold my other company and started doing this full-time. So I've been doing this full-time for six years now. So it really grew kind of organically from another business that I ran. Nice. So you're not teaching anymore or doing anything other than photography. Right. Nope. This is this is what I've been doing full time. And I do feel like that is it gives me a depth of experience that, um, you know, when you do something full time for many, many years, you're not just doing it you know, as a weekend warrior, a couple sessions right. here and there when you're shooting three to five sessions a day, five to six days a week. You're I mean, I've racked up thousands and thousands of sessions at this point. So um it's just, a, I feel like a little bit of a unique perspective on the industry. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you tell us how you transitioned from like yarn photography <laughs> to specifically newborn photography, since that's what we're here to talk about. Sure. Today. Yeah. Okay. So I, you know, yarn obviously is an inanimate object and it's really just product photography is what right. it is. Yeah. So I have always had a passion for babies. I was one of those kids who babysat a million families. I worked in the church nursery. I was always taking other people's babies from them. Babies were always my jam. And I shot my very first newborn session when one of my friends had a baby. And I basically asked her, can I, would you let me borrow your baby? <laughs> so I, I did a terrible job at that <laughs> session. I look back on that now and it is just, I shudder to think. Uh-huh. Um, and I have apologized to her multiple times. Like, I'm <laughs> real sorry that I did that. But she, you know, at the time I thought it was great. I thought it was just like, wow, I'm an amazing photographer at the time. Um, and so it really just, 
I started borrowing people's babies. And that was how I started practicing how to do it. And I quickly realized, you guys, that this is hard. This is not just a regular session where you can kind of spray and pray and hope that something turns out. Um, It is hard to get a baby to look comfortable, relaxed, and have a great angle on them, that they're well lit, that they're dressed in something cute. You know, like all of those aspects need to coalesce into something that is a beautiful image. So that's really sort of how I got started. I started borrowing people's babies. And then I quickly realized like, I really need somebody to show me how to do this because I'm (laughs) not going to be able to figure this out in any period of time. So I started taking some workshops. I went to in-person workshops, online workshops, and then just practiced my heart out. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really the the long answer to your question. It's just a ton of practice and then hands-on education. Yeah, and that's a common theme with pretty much everybody we've interviewed so far. Practice, yep. practice, practice. Find somebody yes. to teach you, whether that's in person or online or whatever, and then yep. just shoot, 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 shoot. Yes, you really, there's just absolutely no other way around it. Yeah, It has to be done. Yep, yep. absolutely. Okay, so you mentioned that newborn photography is hard. Yes. (laughs) When we were recording our kind of in our first episode of the season, which is just an introductory um, episode, we kind of do a quick overview of all the different topics that we're going to be talking about. When we got to the newborn section, (laughs) those were the exact words that came out of my mouth. Newborn (laughs) photography is so hard. Hard. Um, It's, it's not for everybody. It's not, it's, it's, Take somebody with a lot of patience. It takes somebody yep. who can handle the heat well. It yeah. takes somebody who doesn't True. mind getting puked on or pooped on yeah. or whatever. For it's sure. Hard. Um, yeah. So, kind of talking a little bit about that, what are some, whether it's pieces of equipment or uh, posing resources or posing, um, uh, what do you call them? Posing Pillows. bubbles? pillows, whatever. Little beans. 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 Yes. What are some of these things that you think people interested in newborn photography should invest in to, to really up their photography game? Yeah. Okay. I have a couple suggestions here. The first one is you need a backdrop stand of some kind. They make, they make specialty newborn ones that you can get that are really moldable and bendable, but you can use something more basic than that. So you absolutely need something to clip your backdrop to. Mm -hmm. One of the differences between a pro level image and a really amateur image is how smooth that backdrop is. If you have wrinkles, if you have, you know, weird kind of shadows, it's going to be a huge distraction. It's going to lower the quality of your image. So having a backdrop stand to clip the backdrop to, and then you also need something to clip it to in the front. And so what I'm talking about here is a huge piece, like a two yard piece of super stretchy fabric that you're clipping to the back And then you're clipping to the sides and what you're doing is pulling it extremely smooth and taut so that there's no wrinkles whatsoever. And that is really crucial in getting that professional quality image. A lot of Mm -hmm. times with amateurs, you see a lot of wrinkling, a lot of denting in this fabric. I absolutely did it myself. Thought, oh yeah, that'll be fine. I can Photoshop that out later. You can't. (laughs) Um, It's So that's the first thing is you need stretchy fabric and... Absolutely, you need a backdrop stand of some kind. And then you need some kind of firm surface to put baby on, whether that is a posing beanbag. They make specific specialty beanbags for newborns. I 
don't use those because I think they're a giant pain in the butt. I <laughs> use a large Ikea ottoman that I put babies on. That's and it's so smart. Well padded, you know, like a big thick thing of padding. Uh, so it's very comfortable for them, but it does not have create a huge depression in the middle. You can't shift the weight of the baby around um, on, like you can on a beanbag. Like if you lean on the edge of a beanbag, it smushes the beans away from yeah. you. Yeah. So I like to, I personally like to use a really firm surface. And I know some newborn photographers will use a card table and put, go to the fabric store and get like a big three inch piece of foam and put that on a card table so that you have this firm but cushiony surface for baby to be on. So those are, I mean, at my mind, kind of really basic. If you want to get good at this, you need those three things. And then everything else you can kind of just add on as you go along. But if you're looking to get into it, Firm, firm but cushiony surface to stick that baby on, something to clip your backdrop to, and then like a really stretchy piece of fabric. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was kind of experimenting with newborns, two other things that were really helpful for me were like a white noise machine. Yes. Yeah. And um, a heater, whether that was a space heater or just cranking up the heat in the house. Absolutely. I, I really strongly believe in creating the conditions under which a baby can be happy. Obviously, you are not able to control everything. Sometimes their tummies hurt or they're really hungry, in which case you do your best to fix those scenarios. But if you keep a baby dry, their stomach full, you keep them warm and you keep the room Um, You have some ambient white noise happening in the room. Those are some of the best things you can do to try to create the conditions under which baby will be happy. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm also a big believer in the space heater kind of blowing directly on baby more so than just trying to make the room warm. You know, you have to think about they're coming from the womb, which is close to 100 degrees. Yeah. So they're not coming. 70 degrees is cold to them. 75 is cold to them. Yeah, that's so true. So the warmer, the better, basically. Um, that space heater really does allow them to just kind of relax and they don't feel the need to like curl in on themselves and try to like, ah, I'm uncomfortable. You want to <laughs> yeah. just keep the, create the conditions under which they can be happy. Mm-hmm. So, that's, so that's so true. With, with that, since you're talking about putting the space heater in close proximity to the baby, how warm is the rest yeah. of the room around the baby um, before yeah. before anything gets started? So, <clears throat> yep. So in my studio, I, I shoot all of my newborn sessions in in a specialty room that I close the doors on. So I keep my heat at just like a normal room temperature, like sixty eight or seventy degrees. That's what the you know the thermostat is. Sometimes in the, in the summertime, it's warmer than that. And then I turn the space heater on, and it really does crank the heat in that room. By the time I'm done with the session, it's probably well over 80 degrees in there. (sighs) So, um, I know it is very sweaty. You absolutely have to just be okay with like sweating to death right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you, you have to be okay with that. It's not a good job for somebody where you're going to like break out in hives. If you're too sweaty, um, you have to just be okay with being sweaty. So I started a normal room temperature, like 70 ish, and then close all the doors to that room and then turn on the space heater. And then it really does get to be over 80 in there. Connor, I'm not so sure this would work out for you. Yeah, I think that I would turn into a puddle. Man, that's that sounds 
See, 80 you guys, degrees I'm plus probably, moving around I'm, plus difficulty like uh not not yeah <laughs> i was i was I'm actually northern... totally warming up to the idea i was like yeah like i don't mind the idea of like poop or vomit or whatever like that that's fine and babies <laughs> would be fun good. to work with but <laughs> yep i'm out now i'm done so i'm gonna leave that to you guys i'm from northern minnesota where it's cold here Cold yeah. most of the time um you know we get a few few days of, of heat and it is you know it's pleasant in the summertime um but i really err on the side of keeping it real real toasty um just because we do we're often starting at a lower temperature mm-hmm. ambient temperature than than other people yeah that makes sense so kind of along the same lines in terms of making baby comfortable and, and all of that do you it's a little more difficult with newborns because they are brand new. They don't have a routine yet, typically. But do you try to try to schedule these sessions at a time when they typically would have already eaten or nap time or anything like that? Sure. Yeah, they they really don't have a schedule yet. So it's, I you know, when I'm shooting older babies, like let's say I have an 11 month old, I will shoot around their nap schedule. They have a well-established nap schedule at that point, And it can make all the difference between a happy and sad baby. But a newborn absolutely does not understand now is the time I normally nap. You know, they, they've mm-hmm. been on earth for 10 days. So what I usually instruct parents to do is to try their best. And I, I do really try to say, do not stress out about this. If it's not working out, do not stress yourself out because babies can tell that you're like, ah, right. I'm stressed about this. Just Feed do off your of best. Yes. Do your best with the following instructions. Try to keep baby awake for approximately an hour. And I recommend that they just give baby a bath and then just dress them in a onesie and don't let them get too warm and sleepy. You know, allow them to stay a little on the cool side so that they don't drift off too much. Try to keep them awake for an hour if you can. Again, I don't believe in torturing babies. If a baby's screaming, <laughs> obviously you should comfort it. But if you can leave it awake, help it be awake for a while. And then shortly before you leave to come to my studio, give the baby a full feeding. Like let the baby have as much as they want to eat. You know, if they're nursing, nurse on both sides, you know, like get them really, really full. And then I recommend dressing them in something that does not need to come off over their head. So like a sleeper with snaps, and then clean diaper and then into the car seat and then they leave to come to my studio. And the vast majority of the time, the baby arrives in a pretty deep sleep at that point. And I'm able to get started pretty quickly after their arrival. If, if they're driving from far away or baby's not asleep, obviously we adjust. But I, I recommend those instructions if, if it's possible, if it's doable for the family. Nice. Yeah, that's that's super helpful, I would imagine, for clients and for photographers who are listening right now to, to consider for their own clients. Yeah. So it just don't torture the baby, but help them be happy. Mm-hmm. So so something that kind of occurred to me when you were talking about that, obviously, with newborns, you have to get them photographed within a certain window. How do you work with your scheduling? Does that just mean that you're constantly having to readjust based on when baby is actually born? Yes. Yes, it does. And one of the nice things about newborn photography versus other types of photography is that number one, because it's done indoors, it's not weather dependent. I don't have any weather related rescheduling. And number two, I shoot all of my newborns during weekday hours of which the light outdoors is not favorable for portrait work. So I'm, I'm shooting newborn babies generally between the hours of say 
10 and three on a weekday where I would not be working outdoors during that time. Right. So my schedule does fluctuate dramatically, but I know that I'm always going to have that kind of a window open during the middle of the day. Um, you know, not every day, but I'll be usually able to give clients a, a several different date choices. Do you want to come in Friday or you want to come in next week on Monday or Wednesday? So we just schedule it based after based on when the baby is born and then I give them my availability at that point. Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to get them in before they're two weeks old, 10 days old? Usually I suggest that babies come in between the ages of one and three weeks. Okay. So, and I will shoot older newborns and I do shoot older newborns pretty regularly. So if somebody says like, oh, I just didn't think that I needed to schedule. I didn't know that I wanted it. Is there anything you can do? I will absolutely work with your baby. They're not going to be, you know, quite as smushy, um, quite as sleepy, but you can still get a lot of really beautiful images that the parents are going to love forever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I usually say, this is my one other little piece of information is that a lot of babies in my region, and I know this varies widely around the country and around the, um, around the world, baby boys in my region tend to, to be circumcised after, immediately after delivery, like the day after. Mm-hmm. And I like to make sure that that is healed. So I don't like to have a baby boy come in at age, at day four because mm-hmm. yeah. it's not going to be healed and they are going to be uncomfortable if I try to undress them and lay them on their stomach. So that's, that's kind of one reason I like to start at one week. And then I also really like to make sure that nursing is well established if the mom is breastfeeding so that There's not any of those, you know, like hopefully things have just gotten settled in a little bit. Baby knows how to nurse. It's not frustrating for the mom at that point. Mm -hmm. So I usually recommend that one to three week window if possible. That's so that's so smart. And I I would imagine that by by about the one week mark, their skin starts to clear up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It makes it a little easier on the post-processing end, too. Yes, there's tends to be fewer scratches. You know, that cone head that some babies have has gone away. <laughs> yeah. um, they if they had bruising during the delivery, you know, the bruising and swelling is kind of, you know, subsided. So it does. They do often have nicer skin at age one week than they do at age three days. Yeah. For sure. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about safety because this is a concern that I think every newborn photographer should have just at the top of their list. Yeah. It requires a lot more attention to safety than than many of the other types of portrait photography. Yes, so sure. what what do you what kind of advice do you have for people specifically in relationship or in relation to safety? Yes. Well, the number one thing that I recommend that people do is to have an assistant with them at their newborn session. I I do not shoot newborn sessions without an assistant present. And what that allows me to do is, let's say I want to pick out a different hat for the baby. I have them, you know, posed perfectly in this little basket. Um, I need to step two steps away to get a different hat. I will ask my assistant you stay here with baby and they'll stay there carefully with their hand on baby so that if there's any kind of a startle reflex or God forbid that basket tip over for any reason, that there is a hand on the baby at all times. Mm-hmm. So I really do think the risks to something happening to the baby are 
quite small, even if I didn't have an assistant, but it's absolutely just peace of mind for me. It also demonstrates to the parents professionalism and that you really do take their baby's safety very seriously. So that's the first thing is having an assistant makes a huge difference. The second thing is a lot of poses that you see, um, is particularly what newborn photographers you know, call the froggy pose or where the baby's head's yeah. kind of resting in their hands. That really needs to be done, in my opinion, via a composite image where somebody's hands are holding the baby's arms. You take a picture of you know, the top of their head and then somebody's holding their head and then you take a picture of their arms. You composite those in Photoshop. It's not safe, in my opinion, to ask baby to balance their unassisted. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's not that they're going to fall off or, you know, I, I've never heard a reported story of somebody, you know, damaging a baby, but it doesn't mean it can't happen. And it really, you really don't want it to happen to you. Mm-hmm. So just keeping hands on baby is important. Um, monitoring the temperature around the baby. If you're using a heating pad of any kind, or you have that um, space heater blowing directly on them, just occasionally step in front of it and make sure that like, oh, geez, you don't want to be accidentally, you know, burning Burning the baby for for any reason. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing too is, I mean, everybody knows that you need to support a baby's head and neck that you can't just, just plop them down on something and hope for the best. You have to handle them carefully. Mm -hmm. So those are three of the biggest things is that extra set of hands, just making sure that the baby's head and neck are supported. And then any of those more challenging poses, which do take a long time to do, to learn how to do properly, that you're using, you're doing compositing versus mm-hmm. trying to get them to balance on their own. Yeah. What about things um, to support your props and your backdrops and, and your backdrop stands and things like that? Do you have that built into your wall or are you using sandbags? Yeah, that's a good question too. So I will use sandbags if I am, let's say I put a baby in a, um, in a bucket and I feel that that bucket is really top heavy. I will often, you know, weight down the back of that bucket with either like a a hand weight or a sandbag. Um, and then I have a backdrop that I use for, you know, my wood backdrops and that is anchored to the wall. I had a carpenter come in and like build that especially for me and it's anchored to the wall. So even it, even I can stand on it as a full grown woman and it's not going to go anywhere. Um, and then those backdrop stands, um, they're not anchored to the wall, but they have heavy, heavy, I have a specialty one that's heavily weighted in the base. And if okay. I were not using that, I would sandbag that for sure, just to keep it really securely into the floor. Okay, good. Okay, so we're going to get into some questions that came, I, I think all of the rest of the question, most of the rest of the questions, I should say, came from actually our listeners. Sure. Um, we posted in the Facebook group. So we have a Facebook group that's Portrait Session Podcast listeners. If, if any of you listeners out there haven't yet joined, be sure to hop over there and join us. Um, we posted about this interview and, and asked, you know, if, if anybody had questions just to send them in and we'd answer as many as possible. And overwhelmingly, people were asking about lighting business advice and pricing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, let's let's talk about those things. So, let's talk about lighting first. Do you have a sure. preference for natural light or strobes or constant light? What's your yep. typical light setup? I have used all three of them. You can be successful with all three of them. And so there is not a correct answer to this question. You can find beautiful photographers in each one of those categories. Right. I I personally use strobe lighting. I use an Einstein light and Mm -hmm. I have 
you know, a very large parabolic parabolic light modifier. Um, that's what I use for most of my newborn session work. And the reason for that is because I live in Minnesota, where the lighting is so variable during the day, you can go from, you know, extremely bright sunlight to pouring rain in half an hour. Um, <laughs> it is so much less work to shoot with strobe light that has the same settings every time. I always know what my settings are. I can set up my custom white balance. I always know exactly what I'm shooting at. It also really saves me time in post-processing because I already know the color temperature that this needs to be. I already know all, you know, like the settings are very, very, um, they just stay the same every time. So that is a huge time saver for me. That's something newborn photographers spend a lot of time doing is editing images to look beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I shoot strobe for those reasons because of the variability of natural light in my region and also just how much time it saves me. Again, yes. it doesn't mean that I have chosen the right answer and that everyone else is wrong. It's just what works well for me. And I've tried them all. Mm-hmm. So I, that's, I pick strobes. Yeah, and that's that's what I actually learned as well was strobes with very large PLMs that allows the light to wrap more softly around the baby. It, yep. you know, the the shadows are much more gradual as opposed to yes. harsh, which is what right. you're looking for and for in this type of photography. Yep. In terms of placement, are you just using the one Einstein with the PLM, and then yep. where are you placing it in relation to baby? Generally speaking, it depends a little bit on the. Um, on what I'm doing, if I'm shooting in a prop, I will often have the um, the light source parallel to the baby as the baby is sitting on my wooden backdrop. And then that allows me to rotate the baby and mm. around the light so that I can tip the baby's head at a 45 degree angle towards the light. Or if I want to shoot from the shadows and tip it 45 degrees away from the light, I can do that. So when I'm shooting on my wood backdrop where it's harder to move the light around, um, it's often parallel initially to the backdrop itself. And then when I'm using my bean bag or my ottoman in this case, um, I am usually shooting at a 45 degree angle towards the baby. And that allows some of those shadows on the face to fill in, but still allows their features to be defined. You know, Mm -hmm. when you get that flat lighting on a baby's face, it can make their face look really, really flat because they're, you know, their noses don't project very much. (laughs) You just don't see the features the way you do when you have a slightly angled light. So I like the light to wrap around baby's face and not have super harsh shadows on the, the shadow side. But I, I do like to be able to see the definition of their features. Mm-hmm. So I'm usually either at a 45 or a 90 um, or, you know, a parallel angle to the baby. Perfect. Yep. That's what we were looking for. Yep. Okay. So the next hot topic was business advice. So yeah. do you have any specific tips or advice for someone interested in building a newborn photography business? Yes. So the first thing is building your skill set. That's the, that's the very first thing. It's really difficult to market bad pictures, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like pay me a lot of money for some crappy pictures. That is a hard thing to sell. So I would suggest before you really even start thinking about taking tons of money from people is I would build out your skill set and build out your portfolio. Often what happens is people think they can charge just a little bit of money, you know, like while they're building their portfolio, like, let's say I'm going to charge you $200, that sort of thing. 
What that does then is it sets you up to be a photographer in that market space. You're going to get referrals from people who think that newborn photography should cost $200. All of their friends are going to be, you know, flocking to you because you did their session for $200. So I have found a very good amount of success in shooting for free and building my portfolio until I felt my work was solid enough to charge sustainable prices. Mm -hmm. So I am personally not a fan of the like start low and then just like gradually raise it because it is so hard to leave behind that clientele that you have built when you want to move to sustainable prices. Suddenly then you're saying to all of them and all of their friends, sorry guys, I'm not gonna be able to help you guys anymore. Um, or you feel beholden to them and you feel stuck in this price range of really low pricing. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing is get your portfolio to where you feel confident that you can walk into a newborn session and no matter the circumstances, you can deliver quality images. It does not mean you're going to nail every pose every time. It's dependent on a baby. Obviously, there's a lot of variables, but you know I am for sure going to get something great for these parents that they're happy with. So until you reach that point in your, you know, um, portfolio building, I personally am not a fan of charging a ton of money. So that's the first thing is get your portfolio where you want it. Um, And then the next thing is actually figuring out what sustainable pricing is for your business. And I can get into that again in a second. Um, But in terms of And then charging those sustainable prices, obviously. But in terms of marketing, everybody will tell you that word of mouth is the best possible marketing. I mean, I think that's a universal piece of advice, right? That's nobody ever says, yeah, word of mouth is not a good (laughs) revenue stream for me. Um, Word of mouth is what everybody wants. And so the first thing you can do is to try to build brand evangelism. And what I mean by that is finding some people who absolutely connect with your brand and you as a photographer so much that they are willing to recommend you to all of their friends, that they are going to be the person replying on every single Facebook mommy group that they need that, you know, when their people are posting who's good at whatever, that they're going to be replying to all of those (laughs) threads. Um, So finding some brand evangelists that can just be friends where you're saying to them, listen, I would love to gift you with a newborn session. What I need from you are a couple things in exchange. One is your high recommendation, you know, to others and online. And the other one is, please do not tell anybody that I gave you this session for free. <laughs> so, that, so that they're not just going around saying to people, she'll give you a free She's session free. if you ask. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So keep it your secret between you and then in exchange, asking them for their, their recommendation of you to others. So then once you start getting, you know, clients from those recommendations, delivering a home run experience to each and every single one of those clients, like really bringing your A game, not just to the images themselves, but bringing your A game to the experience of the client is absolutely crucial. If you go to a spa and they tell you, you're going to meet with this really great massage therapist. She's amazing. You're going to have a great massage. And you walk into the spa and the receptionist is super rude to you. The waiting room is dirty. It smells like cigarette smoke in there, you know, but then you had a great massage. 
guess what? The great massage does not cancel out your first impression of all of that Mm -hmm. other negative stuff that happened. You need to walk in and be be like, dang it, why can't I live here? You know, like you (laughs) want you want every touch point with that client to be absolutely a game where they just feel like, oh my gosh, I just love you. And they're willing to pay your prices because they are willing, they want that kind of experience in addition to having the great images. So those are a couple of tips for getting word of mouth referrals. Um, In terms of other marketing strategies, um, just very quickly, a couple of other ideas are to exhibit at baby fairs child fairs, you know, those types of events where all of the little children's boutiques and the hospital systems and the, you know, people that sell all of the little pacifier clips. And you know what I'm talking about? Those kind of events that they have for babies Mm -hmm. and kids and whatnot um, to exhibit at those and expect from that type of a thing to book zero clients. Do not go into it thinking, gosh, I'm going to try to get a bunch of bookings today. Expect to book none. What you should do is expect to connect with hopefully expecting parents. Talk to them, greet them, ask them about their baby, have an open, fun personality so that they just walk away from your booth thinking like, oh my gosh, she is so cute. Get out of here. Um, and then use that as a as an abil- your ability to collect their information and then use that, you know, email address, whatnot to market to them down the road. So that's That's another thing. Um, You know, you can get collect their information via a giveaway of some kind. Um, And then there's a lot of different ways you could structure a giveaway where people have to like your page or engage on your page in some way. You could think of about 500 ideas for how to run a giveaway that attracts a lot of attention to your business. Um, But then you're still collecting this data of pregnant women who could potentially be looking into booking a newborn session down the Mm -hmm. road. So that's another um, marketing tip that I have for you. And then one other one other idea is to try to partner with um, children's boutiques in your area. So it can be challenging to partner with hospitals or doctor's offices, although you can do it. There's absolutely no harm in it. Um, But because hospitals tend to be run by these really large bureaucratic organizations, it can be a little bit more difficult to, you know, put your artwork up in the hallways and that sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. I and I don't know that I've heard from a lot of people that they book a ton of clients from having their artwork up in a hospital hallway. Mm -hmm. Um, But it probably can't hurt you. But I have had good success partnering with children's boutiques and running a special event at their boutique, partnering on some kind of giveaway. So you're taking this audience that this children's boutique already has um, and you're leveraging it for your own business and vice versa. It's good for both of you. So that's the next thing. And then I have one more thing if we have time for it, which is to um, really put yourself out there and join networking groups, join your chamber of commerce. Don't just sit in your house and wait for people to call you. Uh, They need to know who you are. And part of running a successful business, as you know, a lot of times newborn photographers are solo entrepreneurs. Running a, a, a business as a solopreneur is making people aware that you exist, 
And that is, that is uncomfortable for a lot of people. I, mm-hmm. I know that I have really experienced that discomfort of like, I don't want to seem like I'm full of myself. I don't want to seem <laughs> like I am, um, you know, just trying to make it seem like I'm super awesome. Um, and there's a way to do it that feels authentic, but people need to know who you are if they're ever going to call you. Right. So in addition to doing things like SEO optimization, so people can find your website and posting on social media, those I feel like for business owners, people kind of already know that those are good things to do, but they don't always think that like joining their local chamber or joining like a, a networking group, like a BNI group or a core 20 or a biz to biz or one of those kind of groups. Um, I look at it not as a, tool to book 1 million newborn sessions out of that networking group. I view it as a tool to raise my profile in the community. And thus, because my profile is raised in the community, more people who may not be pregnant now, but maybe in the future or their sister might be pregnant or whatever will know about me. Mm -hmm. So you have to view those types of activities as farming and not hunting. You're going for the long game and not the not the short game of I'm going to bring home a deer. You're planting a bunch of carrots that you're going to harvest later. <laughs> that makes total sense. <laughs> it's a I, lot, but yeah, it is. And I feel like I'm like listening to myself talk because I've said all so of many. those things <laughs> so many times. Yeah. And, yes. and not obviously not for newborn photography, but you know, just for developing a business in general. Yeah. Those things apply Um, no matter what Mm -hmm. kind of photography you're doing. They, they absolutely do. I I will tell you, I'm in, I've been in a BNI group for over five years and you know, the number of newborn sessions that I have booked from that group is probably not that many, but I do book a lot of other types of sessions out of that group from referrals from that group, from say, I do a lot of uh, professional headshots and that sort of thing. And every time I make contact with a new client, that is an opportunity for me to market my other services to them. They come to my studio for a headshot. They see my giant wall of newborn baby props. They see my giant wall of hats and headbands and wraps and, you know, wool fluff and all that stuff. And they inevitably are like, did you make all of this? (laughs) You know, like it's like overwhelming to them. And Again, I may not book them as a newborn client, but they might go back to their office. And when the girl in the cubicle next to them is pregnant, they're going to remember that giant wall of props that I had. Mm -hmm. So you have to view every connection that you make as a potential business down the road and not not an immediate Immediate. booking. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. That is so true. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Um, so I was actually going to ask you about partnering with local companies and those symbiotic partnerships that yeah. we hear so much about. So I'm glad you you touched on that already. So yeah. let's talk instead about pricing. And this is another yeah. one that all of our listeners always ask about. So yes. what what kind of pricing advice do you have for those interested in newborn photography? And and are there certain um packages that are most popular among parents or, or pieces of packages that are most popular. And then also do you do in-person sales or just kind of full-blown collections? Okay. So the first thing that any business owner of any kind needs to know is how much it actually costs to run their business. Um, You need to know how much does 
having this studio, if you have one, you know, you're going to have some place to shoot. It could be your living room. It could be an actual separate studio space. How much does it cost me to heat this space, buy these props, own my equipment, have my camera gear, pay for all my editing subscriptions, you know, all of the, the software that I need, pay for education, pay for all of my insurance. Like how much does all of that actually cost me every year? Because sometimes people get into photography thinking that this is a 100% profit game. And it's not. <laughs> very often, it's very often when they do the math, they're actually losing money. Yeah. So first of all, decide, uh, is this a charity or is this a business? So that's the first thing. If it's a business, then you need to, your goal has to be to make money. So you need to know how much it's costing you. So that's, you can't do anything until you know, I, it costs me, you know, $20,000 a year to run this studio or whatever your costs are. So that's the first thing you need to know. Then you need to figure out exactly how much money do I want to make? Am I content making $250 a month on this? And that's all I need. I just want to put that in a savings account and spend it on Christmas. If that's your goal, then you know that you can, you know, price in a certain range to be able to make that amount of money. If your goal is like mine to make six figures as a photographer, then you know that your pricing has to support that. You need to figure out how many sessions am I willing to shoot and how much money do I need to bring in at each of those sessions to support my income goals. So I am not somebody who believes in playing it small and playing it safe. That's not my personality. If, if somebody's goal is to just make a few extra dollars, I have no issue with that. You just need to know what exactly your goals are because your pricing needs to support your goals. Mm-hmm. You cannot make six figures charging $100 a session. It's just not humanly possible. You cannot shoot enough volume to make that happen. So you know, it's not like a software download where I can sell a million pieces of it. It's your time. So that's the next thing. You also need to figure out how much time am I putting into an average session? And when I sat and did the math, I figured out that I was putting approximately 12 hours into a newborn session. And that that started with the contact that the client made with me with the inquiry the client made and all the questions that I answered, the back and forth emails, you know, um, helping them feel comfortable with booking with me all the way through shooting the session, like procuring all of the snacks that I have available during a session, <laughs> um, setting up the studio, paying my assistant, you know, like all, all of this, you know, booking my assistant, paying them to do these things. Um, and then actually shooting and editing the session and then, um, going through and delivering those images. My average amount of time is right around 12 hours. So some people's might be less, they might be a little less hands-on. They might just like show up at my house. I'll do the session and then I'll deliver it to you tomorrow. And maybe the whole thing takes them three hours, but you need to know approximately how much time you're putting into this. And then you need to be paying yourself a fair wage. So you, if you can, my rule of thumb is if I can make more money at Starbucks, then I should do that because it's a lot less stress than running my own business, paying for all of my own benefits. Um, I can just go work at Starbucks, punch out at the end of the day, get my insurance, get free coffee. Um, you know, that is truly a lot of photographers are making less money than Starbucks employees. So that's the first thing is you really have to take a hard look at all of your numbers. And that is the part that I really think a lot of people are resistant to doing. They were so resistant to having a full understanding of how much this is costing them and how much they 
need to charge in order to make the amount that they want to make. It, it just feels scary to them. There's a lot of fear involved in charging mm-hmm. appropriate pricing. There's a lot of fear of nobody will want to book me if I charge that amount of money. And I will tell you that if you're afraid of charging those prices, you are absolutely correct that nobody will want to book you at those prices. Mm-hmm. So they can so for true. sure feel that fear and that trepidation of like, it's 400, you know, like they, they can sense that you have to absolutely be like, this is how much it is. This is what, this is the amazing stuff you're going to get for this amount of money. You know, when I walk into a coach store and look at handbags, they're not like, Oh, you know, um, it is $2.99 for the wallet. They don't feel bad about the prices they're charging. This is a luxury service. You guys, Newborn photography is a luxury item. This is not, you don't need this to live. You, you either are value it and are willing to pay for it, or you can absolutely go without it. And that is totally fine. So you need to look at it through that lens of this is a luxury service that I am providing for people. Um, and if people don't want a luxury service, then that is fine. I do not need to be the Walmart of photography. Mm-hmm. So there are enough of those. <laughs> absolutely. Walmart can be the Walmart of photography. <laughs> so um, I do in-person sales and I know that a lot of people absolutely love it. They for sure see the value in it. And other people on the end of the spectrum are like, oh my God, that's my worst nightmare come true. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. They feel like they have <laughs> to be sleazy, used car salespeople, tricking people into buying buying pictures. Um, and that is absolutely not true. I do not look at it from the perspective of sales. I don't go into it trying to sell you anything. My goal is, this is what I tell people during my sales sessions. Um, here's what I want to do. You guys, I want to, we're going to watch this video that I made that has all your images in it. Then we're going to go through, we can pick out whatever you want. I'll show you all the stuff. Then you guys feel like you can feel like you're just making a fully informed decision about what all of your options are. And they, they view it as me helping them as me providing a service for them so that they are not sitting at home overwhelmed, not knowing where to go from here. Um, it's just, I'm providing them a service. And then the other thing too, is it allows me an extra touch point with the client. We have a good time chatting with each other. I get to see their baby again. They leave feeling great. It just seals this whole experience on a high note versus, and then we got an email. So that's one of the reasons I like to do it is um, I just feel like it helps the client feel great about the experience. And that is everything to me. Um, and then the secondly, it is so much easier for a client to walk into your studio, view this beautiful video and images that you've made for them and to just say, you know what, I just want the package that has all of them. Like, let's just do that one. Mm-hmm. And they will easily, easily spend five times as much money with absolutely no sales on your part, like zero, there's no hard sell. Um, then if they're sitting at home in front of a computer, talking themselves out of things. Um, I can't tell you how many times I have impulse purchased, you know, like a beautiful thing that I saw at the store and was like, Oh, I need to have this. This is coming home with me because I love it. Um, <laughs> versus if I'm looking at it online, I'd be like, Oh, that's cute. Okay. I'm going to put that in my cart and come back. 
right? <laughs> and then you don't ever come back. You've talked yourself out of needing that item. Whereas if you see it in a store, you touch it and you smell it and you want it, um, it's coming home with you. And then you can enjoy it. So I don't view I don't view it as sales. I view it as helping, as serving the client. So um, then the other thing that I wanted to say about you know like pricing and packages is I really put a lot of value, and my clients tell me that this is one of the reasons that they come to me. It's because I offer a package that allows them to come in for mini sessions throughout the course of the baby's first year. Mm, that's their, so great pictures updated. You know, people don't want to take their baby's picture one time in their life. They just keep doing more cute things. They just sit up and smile and play with toys and stand and walk and say words and play patty cake. And they want to be able to have those six month pictures and one year pictures and all of that kind of stuff. So I have my pricing structure. My goal is to have it be a no brainer that you need to buy my top package. And in that top package includes all the digital images of your from your session. Um, it also includes access to what I call my annual pass program, where you can come in for those mini sessions. Each one of those mini sessions is just a flat rate. You don't have to come back in and pick anything. I just deliver them to you. And um, the mini sessions are only for clients who have purchased this package. So they're really feeling like they're getting something special for that. Um, right. It's, I, it's exclusive. It's exclusive to them. They get priority scheduling. I reserve a couple hundred time slots in my calendar just for annual pass clients. Other people see, you know, I have a VIP group. Other people see people posting about the annual pass in my in the group. And they're like, well, what is that? You know, like, can you send me information on that annual pass? I want that information. So that, that alone is, um, worth its weight in gold to me. I, and then it's continued contact with the client, more chances for them to become a brand evangelist for you. And then every time you shoot another session for them, then they get to put those pictures all over Facebook, all over Instagram, Mm -hmm. your name that you build your further name recognition. Um, it's just great advertising for your business to continue to see that client two to four more times during that year. So my goal as a you know, during that sales session is to just like make it so obvious that this is the package you need to pick that we're not even going to spend any time entertaining other options. And I would say probably 95% of my clients land there very easily on their own with zero input from me. They just kind of look at each other and are like, well, I think we have to do this one, right? (laughs) So um, if you do it correctly, it does not feel like sales. And I guarantee that you will make dramatically more money than if you just email them a gallery or if you send them an email and say, okay, so my newborn sessions are 700. Um, you're going to have a ton of clients who are like, well, I'm just going to keep looking. It's a lot of money because they don't have a, they don't have an emotional connection to something that doesn't exist yet. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. when they're looking at their actual baby and then with tears in their eyes and like they haven't gone through this experience, they have this emotional connection to something and they absolutely want it. And it takes no convincing to get them there. So, um, if you approach pricing and sales with an ick perspective of like, I don't want to do that. This grows. I don't like charging money. That is absolutely going to translate into that client experience. They're not going to want to pay you money. So you have to just be like, it is so worth it and sell it like believe it. Um, I really do believe it. It is so worth it. If I was a person having a baby today, I would a hundred percent pay for this service. I know that I would. Yeah. So, um, 
without getting too specific into numbers, you know, like most of my clients do pay close to $2,000 for a newborn session with me. I would say sort of the bottom end is a thousand, but most clients are in the thousand to 2,500 range, depending on the type of products that they want, whether they you know, want a ton of stuff for their wall or they want an album or they just want digital images. Um, that's sort of a, a range of pricing that I feel comfortable charging. I feel well compensated for my time and I can run a sustainable business with those prices. But the other thing too, is that I have the skill to support those prices. Right. I'm not, I did not just start out a week ago, plopping a baby on a comforter and trying to charge you $2,000. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. Like, I, I have the skill. That's why I say, like I said at the beginning of this, develop the skills so that you know what you're doing so you can confidently charge the prices that are sustainable for your business. Absolutely. I just talked for 1,000 hours, you guys. <laughs> this, is, this is a topic that I feel so passionate about. Like, and that's I, obvious. I am just like, this fires me up like nothing else. Like the business of photography is just like, Oh, it's my jam. Yeah. And, and I mean, <laughs> that was so much information, so, so much, much valuable information so <laughs> that it's just, it it was perfect. It doesn't matter. You, you could have talked about it for like, you know, five <laughs> hours and it was, it was good. So it, it was you. worth it. I, I hope somebody got something out of my rant. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, I'm sure they will. <laughs> okay. So just a couple more questions for you sure. as we wrap up here. Yep. What do you think is the single most important tip for someone considering becoming a newborn photographer? Mentor in-person mentoring with a really skilled photographer H- has to be done. No two ways around it. I think that's I agree. That is great. Yeah, I yep. would agree with that yep. too. Because yep. that's just kind of the foundation of everything else. Yep. Yep. It, you have Absolutely. to get that skill set before you Absolutely. can do anything else successful business. It. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Nothing can happen if you really suck at, at your job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yep. Okay. Now, you are obviously very passionate about education. Yes. So can you share some resources with our listeners for newborn courses, workshops, mentoring? It can be with you. It can be with other people. What kind of resources are out there for people interested in this? Sure. Okay. I do not offer newborn photography mentoring. Like you can't call me and say, can you teach me how to be a newborn photographer? That's not uh, something I offer at this point, but I can give you a couple of other workshops that I've taken that I just felt like I left there with like mind blown, learned so much information. So, um, Amy McDaniel at Dewdrops Photography, she's an awesome teacher. She does a ton of workshops. Um, I've mentored with Nicole Smith as well. She also, like, these are all unique artists in their own way. And I really learned different things from each of them. I learned valuable things from every single one of these. Um, I've also mentored with Kristen Mackey from Sunkist, um, Sandra Hill from Sandra Hill Photography. Those are some of the in person workshops that I've done. And then I've done um, several online workshops as well, like the Rachel Vanoven workshop. So those were all, every single one of those, I learned new things from. So it's one of those things that I really feel strongly that your skills need to stay sharp and that you could always learn something new from watching another artist at work. Even if you feel happy with your own work, like I'm pretty good at doing this. I still go to these workshops because I really, really enjoy learning new things. So that is, you know, those are some of the 
people that I've mentored with in person or closely with online that I can, that I can recommend any of them and feel like you'd be getting a great education from any one of them. Um, I would, I also would recommend several, um, you know, business type courses that are not necessarily newborn specific, but if you, you watch some of the creative live business workshops that, you know, somebody like Sue Bryce does where she's all about pricing and psychology and like owning your prices and being confident and charging what you're worth. Um, that has been super, super influential for me. And I have just kind of like absorbed that like a sponge and it absolutely a hundred percent works. Um, you know, I live in a pretty small town, less than a hundred thousand people. And I am 150 miles from the next biggest city. There's, there's nothing between Duluth, Minnesota and Minneapolis, Minnesota, other than like tiny, tiny little towns. So I don't have a huge market to draw from. I don't have even half a million people to draw from, not at all. So there's just fewer babies being born in my region than there would be in a bigger city. Um, So if I can take this kind of education and apply it to my market, which is largely blue collar, the overall, you know, average income level of my town is less than 50 grand. It's, I do not live in a wealthy city. Um, If I can apply it in the, my current geographic surroundings, the vast majority of other people can make this work with access to larger population centers Mm -hmm. or more wealthy regions. Um, so those things have all been so, so helpful for me. I love education. I, I can truly never get enough of it. It inspires me daily. And I'm so passionate about just keeping fresh, learning new things, thinking about ways to learn about the world and different ways of looking at the world. It really does make me a better photographer. So those are some of the people that I've really, really enjoyed and have influenced me as in sort of on my journey to being mm-hmm. this person. Absolutely. Wow. Sharon, you <laughs> have given us so much information. Oh, I hope it was helpful. So helpful. Oh my gosh. Thank you. It, it, it's just the amount of information you just shared with our listeners is just, it's just incredible. I'm so thankful you. for you for doing that. Absolutely. My pleasure. Again, guys, go check her out. Her business is Three Irish Girls Photography, and you can find her online, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Pinterest. Lots of good stuff to find um, all across the board for her. Again, Sharon, thank you so much for joining us today. Seriously. You're so welcome. Such a pleasure. Oh, man. No, you were fantastic. And thank you all for listening. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. And we'll talk to you again next week. Portrait Session is a part of the Master Photography Podcast Network, which can be found at masterphotographypodcast.com. Our intro music was written and produced by our good friend, Seth Munson. If you like our show, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes to help other photographers find it as well. Past episodes and additional educational content can be found on our show's website at portraitsessionpodcast.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. 